Welcome to Cultivating Change, Stories of Regenerative Ag, the podcast from SIBO Technologies that digs deep into the transformative power of regenerative farming programs. I'm your host, Billy Kripe. Let's get started. In this podcast, we are talking about regenerative ag programs. These programs can be focused on generating carbon credits, reducing scope free and greenhouse gas emissions from farming, or inviting farmers to adopt new regenerative practices. SIBO Technologies CEO Daniel Ryan hosts an expert panel with our guests Jamie from TrueTerra, a Land Lakes company, Ryan from Robobank's Carbon Bank team, and another Jamie from A New Climate, one of the premier carbon program developers in the world. Join us as they help break down the farm gate and get farmers engaged in carbon and other sustainability programs. Take it away, Dan. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. It's really to talk about engaging growers in sustainable ag programs, really with the goal of reducing greenhouse gas emissions and improving the food system resilience and hopefully uh, ultimately also improving farmers' outcomes and landowners' outcomes by, by doing these things. I'm Dan Ryan, as Billy said, CEO of Siebel Technologies. Um, we provide a comprehensive software platform that organizations use to deploy and manage sustainable ag programs uh, called Siebel Impact. And we're really fortunate to have these three guests today, I think, um, really all at the forefront and have been doing this probably since these kind of programs really began in earnest. Um, Jamie Ridgely from Truterra, which is a division of Lando Lakes, focused on sustainable agriculture. Um, we have Ryan Finley from Bravo Bank's Carbon Bank, uh, which is an early advocate of these programs as well, and I think the largest food and egg lender in the world. And Jamie McKinnon, who runs the egg-related business for a new climate, which I believe is the North America's largest carbon project developer. And so these people are experts and have learned a lot of lessons the, the good old way, the hard way. Uh, by doing it. So thank you guys for joining. It's been great to have you here. Just tell a little bit about yourself, your background, and what your company is doing in this regard. And then after that, maybe we'll go into some specific programs that you guys have deployed or tried deploying. So I guess we can start Jamie Ridgely. Why don't you go ahead? Sure. Thanks, Dan. And thanks again for the opportunity to be here and and visit with you all today. Um, We're certainly uh, really excited at Chaterra to be an emerging partner of CBOs. And so we appreciate that partnership and as well as um, some of the other connections that you're bringing to us. Um, my role at Truterra is Director of Program Development and Carbon Services. As uh, Dan already shared, Truterra is a division of Land Lakes for one of four Land Lakes business units, and we're the sustainability business of Land Lakes. Um, my role at Truterra as Director of uh, Program Development and Carbon Services is um, both kind of that intersection of strategy and then operations. So how do we develop programs that deliver value both to our upstream and our downstream customers? Um, we also are uh, kind of differentiated in the marketplace um, being that the way that we get to our upstream customers is through our ag retail network. So Truterra is actually a membership network of a number of different ag retailer cooperatives. And that's the primary way that we deliver programming to our growers. Um, so we are, we say we're grower owned and retailer driven. And, and that's very much true about how we think about program development and how do we um, develop assets and ecosystem services that we can move uh, into that downstream market. 
So thanks again for, for the opportunity to be here, Dan. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Ryan? Great. Thanks, Dan. It's nice to meet all of you on the panel and great to be a part of this. Thank you for the invitation. My name is Ryan Finley. I'm based in St. Louis, Missouri, and I work for Rabobank and their Carbon Bank. So the Carbon Bank is based in the Netherlands, but it's an initiative in Europe, the United States, South America, and New Zealand, Australia, where we are engaging across the food and ag value chain when it comes to all things carbon. And that can be scope three, that can be farmer impact and, and how a farmer is changing practices to improve soil resiliency um, or other aspects of their farm. But my role here in the United States is to help with implementation. That's implementation across the value chain. So again, working with farmers all the way to that middle of the supply chain or the other end, the CPGs or the, the consumer consumer packaged goods to retailers. And so we're engaged with that value chain to improve the carbon footprint all the, the whole way that we're tracking food. So it's great to be a part of the panel today. Thanks. Thank you, Jamie. Number two. Jamie, number two. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you, uh, Dan, and uh, appreciate the opportunity to speak to everybody in on this on this panel and appreciate working with with SIBO and you know, we have a partnership where we deploy uh, a new deploys carbon programs and manages carbon programs for third parties and we we're using the SIBO platform to really to really enable that um so I, my name is jamie mccann i'm a senior vice president and new i lead a, a team that is focused very much on designing building financing operationalizing carbon programs for other entities in the ag supply chain who want to leverage the carbon market, whether it's scope three reductions, whether it's offsets, whether it's product claims for their network of, of growers. Uh, and I've been in the carbon market climate uh, space for about 22 years. And, and I think uh, our team somewhat differentiated in, in, in the market in the sense that we're, we're not incumbents in the ag sector. We, we deal with a whole bunch of different types of, of offset projects and agriculture being one of them. Uh, and we're coming at this from a space of having managed carbon projects, large scale complex aggregations successfully uh, over our 22 years in this market uh, and having monetized over 400 million tons of reductions in the market in various types of, of carbon attributes and markets. And so, um, yeah, we'll get into a little bit about some of the programs that we're uh, we're offering, but that's that's just a little about our Great, thank you. Well, why don't we just go reverse order and actually do that? Get into some of the examples of a program or two that you're delivering um, today, or that you've tried to deliver in the past, and what the success and what you've learned from that. So, I think uh, we're managing several other several programs for for third parties, but one that that's particularly public and then. And quite unique is uh, the Locus Ag Carbon Now program. It has uh, over 300,000 acres, over 80 farms enrolled in the program as of today. It's, it's now in its second year of uh, enrollment. And I think a very successful program in terms of building enrollment over what's now just three, you know, one and a half seasons, uh, if you will. And very unique in the sense that it is a, a biological soil amendment that uh, is the focus of this program, by no means the only component of it. It is crediting uh, other regenerative practices like reduced tillage, cover cropping, reduced nitrogen use, reduced fuel use. But because it is measuring soil organic carbon improvements from the use of this biological soil amendment, it takes what's called the measure-remeasure approach. So this is 
you know, high density soil testing and it's measuring the difference in soil organic carbon from these soil tests relative to controls and the design of, of controls where we maintain historic practices. And so a, a really interesting aspect to a carbon program that, that takes the most sort of rigorous approach to, to monitoring and quantification. And also, you know, interesting from the point of view of we brought carbon finance to the table to pay growers, you know, $12 per acre up front together with a performance fee and brought some innovative financing structures to enable uh, these projects. So that's a bit of an example of, of what we'll do in terms of we're behind the scenes, really helping the Locus Ag program operationalize their program. So we're, we're very hands-on and helping them through that enrollment process. The Siegel platform is a major part of what helps us deliver that and stewarding that through the entire process and also bringing the carbon finance to pay growers. And so that's, that's an, an interesting example of, of a carbon program that's a little bit unique because of its, of its approach. What, what happens to the credits when you generate them? Who, who's, who's doing what with those? Yeah, so the credits, because ourselves and financing partners are bringing the per acre payments to the growers. Uh, it's it's quite a different uh, mechanism than than in many other programs that we're we're developing, where it's it's really more the growers sharing in the in the proceeds from the sale of offsets from generated from their activities. In this case, obviously we're uh, we are out monetizing those credits, and that's you know I think there's a, a perception that selling offsets is easy. Selling a thousand offsets is easy. Selling a hundred thousand consistently and at the premium pricing that these uh, demands is, is quite difficult, actually. You know, like I said, we've monetized over 400 million tons in the market, got a pretty unique capacity uh, and uh, commercial network to, to sell offsets to. And so we're, we're using that network to sell the offsets from this. And then the proceeds are going to use the, to finance those $12 per acre payments. And part of the proceeds go to the growers as performance payments. What we wanted is the growers to see an incentive to adopt additional practices and to see the fruits of their labor. And, and so they're also uh, part of those proceeds from the sale of offsets is also going back to the grower. Ryan, I know Rob has done several different things in the past and probably have some future plans um, as well. A little bit of a unique position in being a lender to this industry, both downstream and right. upstream. Yeah, maybe tell us what you've learned or what you've been working on so far. I think... Learn is the key phrase there because we're always learning in this space and trying to say, what have we gathered? What are the learnings of the, the past initiative and how do we apply that going forward? A quick snippet. We are, we are a lender. And three years ago when the carbon bank started, we said, what is our role as a lender in this space? But it was so broad and there were so many moving parts that we said, we need to do an internal pilot with Rabo clients that is all about generating carbon credits from carbon sequestration with row crop growers. We have to understand that farmer mindset before we can put together the financing options and look at the other options across the value chain. So the last three years has really been probably not too dissimilar to what a number of others have done, and that is engaging directly with growers. What do they need? What is the information? What are the technical aspects that they need to make a change of practice on their farm? What are the change of practices that they can make? What is what's realistic in the Mississippi Delta? What's realistic in the in the center heart of the Midwest? And as you go to the northern tier states, what's realistic there? 
And that just, for us, it, it had to be a discussion with farmers. So it was literally going to farms, sitting at the kitchen table. How do you make the t- this decision? What are the financial needs? What are the technical needs that you have? And building that as a pilot. And so we've really worked over the last couple of years to say, uh, or, or to develop a, a project in part with you and in part with some uh, third-party agronomic experts to enroll a, a certain number of farmers in a project where they are changing practices. This is just in the Midwest, and those practices are primarily tillage or cover crop. How do they change those practices? And then how are they compensated? And I think for us, we wanted to dial that in a little bit with both the measure and model aspect. So we, when we sign a grower up, we are measuring uh, soil organic carbon. So the amount of carbon that they have in their soil, they're implementing these practices over a series of years. And then we um, measure at the end. So we're going to measure at the beginning, measure at the end, but then we're going to model it to estimate what we think that grower is going to sequester in their soil. This is a conversation that we have with them. We have uh, established a floor price of what that farmer will receive for the carbon that they're able to sequester. And then obviously, if it goes up, then then they'll share in that upside potential. But we make sure the downside risk is addressed. And so our learning from that has been fascinating because it is really hard to engage a grower to have a change of practice when profitability is where it is today. And cultural practices are where they are historically on that farm, regionally speaking. And the science is where it is in terms of there isn't exactly a concrete, you do this and this is going to be the result. Some of this is fluid based on weather, based on soil, based on a number of other variables. So all of that needs to be taken into consideration. But those are the learnings that we've had the last couple of years. It's been a great pilot. We've learned a ton. And I think as we go forward, it's going to have the mindset of a farmer first in whatever initiative that, that we in, um, engage with as we go forward. Thanks, Ryan. Jamie, you have a very farmer first story as well. I think it's kind of the whole message of Truterra, right? It is really a farmer first approach. You've deployed a lot of programs, you know, among the most in the industry to this point. Yeah, maybe talk about a couple that you've you've put out there and what you've learned. Sure. Well, the first thing I would say is just really, I'm sure we all would, but really echo what Ryan said about learning. It's going to continue to take a lot of innovation to get the programs right um, from both the upstream and downstream space. And so I think you'll hear a note of all of us saying that we're really trying to find that balance, find something that can work for the grower, but also delivers what the downstream customer needs, because that's how we're trying to finance the work that we're doing with the grower and and deliver those dollars. So certainly uh, a ton of learning and continued innovation on the Truterra side as well. The way that we think about it is how do we support the grower? I usually use three buckets when I'm talking with my team. So both pre-transition. So as Ryan said, how do we bring them to the table, work with our retail network to help them understand the improved benefits of soil health, make sure that what we would traditionally call in soil and water conservation planning. How does that conversation become part of that agronomic planning conversation? And so at Truterra, a lot of work and innovation to figure out how do we um, appropriately equip our retail network and empower them and motivate them and incentivize them to be working with the growers to have those conversations so that this is part of the agronomic planning conversation. And as Dan said, we do do that through programs. So the best example 
um, the, the program that we rolled out in 23 to support doing that and some, some pilots previous to that as well, but it's what we call our soil health assessment. Uh, and our soil health assessment is, that's what it is, a soil health assessment, but it's a fairly basic soil health assessment and it's based on some um, soil health targets and benchmarking work done by Soil Health Institute, which is a major partner of TrueTerra's and the soil sampling work that we're doing. And so the idea there is that we're working with our retail network to create local benchmarks so that as growers take a look across all of their fields and start to think about how are they going to improve soil health across the landscape, they have the benefit of also understanding what is the possibility on those fields and how much can they look at improving, but really taking an agronomic view of that. So that's an example of, of how we're really working through our, our retail network, not just with pre-transition growers, but in a lot of cases, it's starting that soil health conversation and making sure that we're creating the, the positioning at the right time that that becomes part of the agronomic planning cycle. We also then, of course, offer programs in, in transition. So once a grower has decided that they want to adopt or try is some of these soil health or regenerative practices, how do we create the right practice suite there? And so something that's quite unique about the way that Shutera has approached this in the market is we really look at a split investment. So we're trying to look at how do we create that incentive payment to make or try the practice change, but not bring those acres into the carbon market um, until we're sure that that transition is durable on a grower's behalf. And, and we, you know, we, we don't want to put a contract in front of them until they know that this is the way that they're comfortable farming. And so we've tried to structure our programs that way. And that's somewhat unique uh, in the way that we came to market. And then that third bucket is that regenerative or early adopter grower that we talk about that is uh, because of the additionality um, that we're all trying to create in the, the greenhouse gas accounting market and the way that our standards are set up. How do we also work with those regenerative growers and those early adopters? And so we're developing a suite of programs to, to leverage both the expertise and the data provided by those programs, uh, those growers, um, but also um, in an effort to reward them for, for the carbon storage that they have in those long-term carbon sinks that they've built. So um, programs across all of those, um, some different implementations of our carbon program. It is slightly changing all the time um, as we're learning um, like Ryan and Jamie talked about as well. Thank you for joining us on another inspiring episode of Cultivating Change, Stories of Regenerative Ag. We hope you found today's conversation enlightening and empowering. Remember, regenerative agriculture is not just about cultivating the land. It's about cultivating change. Each one of us has a role to play in restoring the health of our ecosystems and building a more sustainable world. If you enjoyed this episode and want to stay connected, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. We'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and any questions you might have. Until next time, keep sowing the seeds of resilience, nurturing our planet, and embracing regenerative practices. Together, we can create a greener, healthier future. This has been Cultivating Change, Stories of Regenerative Act. I'm your host, Billy Crichton. See you next time.